I'd like to introduce Nicole, also known as Cole by my son. Cole! Um, for those of you who don't know Nicole, Nicole's on our worship team and our prayer leaders team, so beautifully involved in our community. Plus, she's a life hub. What else do you do, Nicole? More importantly, Nicole is who you are, is <laughs> a wife and a mum and a lover of Jesus in a way that really waters this ground. It's so lovely. So we welcome what you have. We bless you. We trust you. And we just speak courage and freedom that the Spirit would just pour out of your mouth like oil this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. We just bless you. We welcome you. We are all behind you. Yes? Yes? Awesome. You go for it, Brad. Yeah. Um, so we uh, probably haven't for a while, but sometimes, you know, you have guest speakers who kind of come into your community and bless you and share things. And um, I, I, we tend to be more open with having someone come in than we are even with um, letting someone from the community speak. Not that we're closed off and all like that, but it's, it's something where you expect, you know, when someone comes in from the outside, and this is probably if you don't know, just to be aware, it's kind of, we know, hey, you know what, they don't carry everything that we carry, they're not all about everything that we're all about, but they might have something, a piece to share, um, and so we're, we're welcome, but then we know as a mature community, you can kind of sift and take and let go of, you know, if someone comes and has stuff and they're like, oh, I don't know if I agree with that, and we're okay with that, but it's when it's people from kind of within, uh, to know it's like when someone stands up here, uh, it's they represent, you know, uh, who we are as a leadership team, and it's really like, because we say, uh, we're saying to you, you can trust this person, uh, is what we're saying, because it's like, oh, this is someone from our family, you know, coming, and it's like, you know, when, when dad speaks in a family, or when mum speaks in a family, it's like, well, you can trust mum, because they carry the best interests of the family, and, and so, um, just to, I just wanted to let y'all know, uh, we, we really trust uh, Nicole, uh, we trust her heart, we trust her, her love of Jesus, and, uh, and we've gotten to know you, and, and we trust you. Um, and so we just, yeah, we're really open to receive uh, what you have to share with us. So bless you. Is this being filmed? Because I've got family members that want to see this. <laughs> My mum was texting me this morning. We're with you. Oh, sorry. Um, I just have my, might have moments where I just stop and need to get my bearings because... Uh, even just during the worship, there was amazing things happening. So I might just share spatters of that throughout. Oh, that and a bit nerves. <laughs> you used to see me up there, but this is a total different ball game, I tell you. <laughs> All right, so a few weeks ago, I managed, um, we were sharing about what was happening at Nightwatch and um, very spontaneously it happened. I was asked to share on communion <laughs> you know when God's setting you up <laughs> it was one of those moments and I knew <laughs> so anyway I'm just going to touch on a bit of that and then because there was actually a lot more in it that I didn't get to share obviously and then there's been more that Holy Spirit's just been cultivating in me in the weeks since that so um so I'm going to start with communion okay and at the end we're going to finish with communion so Communion to me is like a memorial stone. Like through the Old Testament, you see where 
um, when there's a battle won, there's pictures of the parting of the seas. When they come out, the when they came out the other side, God spoke to Moses and said, "Get some stones, heap them together, build an altar." That became a marking place as such for whenever anyone passed by again. It was a, a point of remembrance about the victory, the miracle that occurred there. Okay, and so through Scripture you see lots of them, especially in the Old Testament. It was a, it was a um, a practice that they did regularly, even at um, Jacob's well and all those little places like that. So for communion, like Paul says, it's, you know, so Jesus said, do it, do it often in remembrance of me. Okay, so it's a reminder of who Jesus is present. So now past, what he's done for us in the past and our future of where he's going, taking us into. And... The reason why I ended up even speaking on communion was probably about two months ago. Holy Spirit just started challenging me on how often we take communion. And it was a personal thing. It wasn't necessarily a corporate thing, or so I thought. And (laughs) watch out, it could happen to any of you. (laughs) And so what happened was, is that he was just like, how often do you take communion? And I'm like, well, I take it usually at the end of a fast. Um, and then, obviously, corporately, I take communion. And he started going, why not more often? And I'm like, hmm, good question. I just, I don't know, think it was something that I'd always done corporately more than even just privately. And so then Benny um, Johnson came out all of a sudden, well, I don't think it was all of a sudden. It'd been brewing for a while, obviously, and Bill Johnson, and he just started sharing about him and Benny, how they take communion daily. And I'm like, okay, there's something on this. <laughs> and so I just, um, I thought, I was, went for a coffee one morning, um, sitting there all by myself, just actually having some Sabbath time, and he just challenged me again on it. And then he was like, look at the scriptures. So I went home, and started just reading through the Gospels, the account of when Jesus took communion with the disciples. And I saw a number of interesting things. I love how you get almost four different accounts of the same things because everyone's got a different interpretation. And, and so you always get different aspects. And you usually find a particular, like Luke for me, because he was a doctor, thinks slightly, I think slightly similar to him. So I could go, oh, I get that, I get that, I get that. So anyway... Um, I was in that and I was then I think one of the notes underneath it was um, it referred to Acts chapter um, what was it gone blank now Acts 2 um, verse 42 and it talks about them gathering daily to take communion they gathered together in the temples and in their homes daily taking communion and I'm like huh the early church they did it daily there's got to be something to this and so I still, you know, like when you feel like you're getting information and you're going, there's a revelation in this, there's a revelation in this, there's a revelation, but I have no clue what it is. And so then one Monday morning, he's like, just start taking communion. So I did in my morning. And um, just a funny note, I'd use an almond instead of bread. Because <laughs> I generally don't eat grains. <laughs> And my cup of tea is his blood. <laughs> That's just inside to my life. Anyway, 
And so I was talking to Rachel that following Friday and I said, you know, there's a lot of times you do things just literally as an act of obedience and then the understanding comes. And that was so much a process of how that worked. It was um, just an act of obedience and even just stopping still and remembering what the body was about. And I deliberately chose to not go researching it as such because I wanted Holy Spirit to talk to me about it. And not, I, I'm saying go after research and stuff like that. I'm not saying that don't. But for me, I just wanted, um, I wanted it to be personal. And I find a revelation for me, and I think for most of us, is something we have to search out. It doesn't, like we can read something and we go, oh, yeah, that's awesome. But for it to really to get it and to change us, it was like we've got to pursue it ourselves. That was that scripture in Proverbs. It's the glory of a king to hide a matter. Oh, no, sorry, glory of God to hide a matter. And it's the glory of a king to search it out. And that's for it to actually change things in us. So hence, um, he's given me lots of revelation about the blood and about his body in that process and many mornings in tears just in thankfulness um yeah and so anyway so today i'm just going to touch on probably i'm not on everything to do with communion because it is a never-ending well i discovered even just preparing for this there's so much in it that um thank god we've got eternity to explore it because it is amazing hmm. So I'm just going to start in Matthew, and it's just um, the account of communion when Jesus took it with his disciples. I remember um, probably about a year ago, oh, maybe 18 months ago, who knows, lose track of time. Um, I was in worship one time, and all of a sudden Holy Spirit goes, what does communion mean? And I'm like, hmm communion we take the bread we take the wine we thank you jesus and he goes no what does the word mean and i'm like you know when god asks you something sometimes it's just best to be quiet and listen to the answer <laughs> and he just said it's common union it's a common union it's something we come in unity with what we have in common and that's jesus mm. and then the other week when we were in worship he reminded me of that and I think Brad must have said something I think actually was he was leading worship that Sunday as well and um and then Holy Spirit reminded me of that and he said and then it was like common union is marriage in our law it's what its other name is it's like um it's marriage is a covenant common union so there you go something interesting so I'm just going to read this. And it says, it's verse 26. As they ate, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples. He said to them, this is my body, eat it. Then taking the cup of wine and giving praises to the Father, he entered into covenant with them, saying, this is my blood. Each of you must drink it in fulfillment of the covenant, for this is the blood that seals the new covenant. It will be poured out for many for the complete forgiveness of sins. The next time we drink this, I will be with you and we will drink it together with a new understanding in the kingdom realm of my father. And then they sang a psalm and they left for the Mount of Olives. It's pretty amazing, hey? <laughs> and something I realised 
in doing, like looking for this, is covenant is actually a kingdom reality, not an earthly reality. It's a kingdom concept. It's not ours. And um, when you look at, I guess, Strong's Concordance, the definitions and that of it, is that you see there's two aspects of it. The first aspect is a pledge. It's an agreement and it's an alliance. Mm. There's something very interesting in that, which we will talk about later. And the second aspect is to cut, cut off, cut down, cut off a body part, cut out, eliminate, kill, cut a covenant. And it was quite common practice in the Old Testament, and not just with the Israelites, but also the surrounding countries, is that when um, countries would make covenant, they would cut the body of an animal and generally throw a feast. Yeah. So, so I've just got here. It's an agreement which brings about a relationship of, relationship of commitment between God and his people. The Jewish faith is based on the biblical covenants made with Abraham, Moses, and David. And very often it was accomplished, I mean, sorry, it was accompanied by eating together. So you've got this cutting and feasting. Okay? Yeah. So the worldly understanding of covenant that the Israelites understood at the time was actually, and God used it, was the suzerain and vassal, that's called um, covenant. So the suzerain was a great superpower country. The vassal was like a lesser, had less resources, had usually been defeated by the larger country. And what they did was they came into a covenant with them and the larger would provide a covering for the smaller. So that meant the smaller was defended, protected. Um, If they had a problem with another country, they would go to the greater and say, hey, we've got issues going on here. What they did in return was that they would provide resources, a tribute, money, loyalty to the greater country. If there was, and the interesting thing was it always came with the conditions of the smaller country having to meet a certain requirement of the larger country. Whatever that king dictated, whatever they said, they had to actually say yes to, to for them to provide the covering. Otherwise, they're going to annihilate them. And you actually saw that a lot with um, when Rome was raiding their area and they overtook Israel. So Israel was actually able to have their normal practices. So this is around the time Jesus came. Their normal practices, but they were still under Roman rulership and had governors in place around the re- through the country when Jesus was there. Okay, so that's why you got a mix of Israelites and the Roman government as such. Does that make sense? Yeah? Cool. So, so like that, um, like the suzerain and vassal um, covenants, God gave conditional and unconditional covenants as well to his people. So in Genesis 15 is when God makes a covenant with Abraham or Abram at that point. And that's the one of the promise of the great multitude of descendants as number as the you know, the stars in the sky at night time, that vision he had, or what he actually took him outside his tent and he saw. So that's an unconditional one. That was God's promise. It didn't require anything back from Abram. This is what God was going to do, okay? And then just in um, Genesis 17, you see 
a condition, a conditional covenant that he makes with Abram. And this is also the place where Abram and Sarai's name was changed to Abraham and Sarah. And the covenant was about circumcision. So the flesh would be marked that as a sign to everyone else that they are in covenant with God. Okay? And it actually says in there where the flesh, um, where there wasn't circumcision, God says their flesh would be cut off from the blessings, from the inheritance. Okay? So that's where it's actually conditional. Okay, now in communion, there's two aspects of covenant because we've now obviously New Testament, New Covenant. And our first aspect I want to cover is Jesus and us. Okay, so we see it in scriptures, it's reflected in the blood and the wine. So the blood, the, sorry, the bread and the wine. <laughs> so the bread represents his body, and which I find just kind of like just this side thought of his body was broken for us, just like they would cut the bodies to make a covenant in the Old Testament. Okay, so there's a link there. And then the wine being his blood that would be shed for us. Uh, here's an interesting thought I had. Covenant is not actually a thing, but a person. That's Jesus. He wasn't just presenting a new way of living, he was presenting himself. He is the fulfillment of scripture. He's like, it was quite amazing. I was talking to Rachel about this the other day. I'm like, going, I had this go off and it was like covenant is not a thing it's a person ah and it changes the way we look at scripture so differently if we look at it with the eyes of covenant in mind and it's like we do but we don't you know Um, and also I said to her it gives you a different perspective on the scripture of um, when Jesus said to him eat of my body drink of my blood because he was saying, I am the covenant. It always, it always um, made me curious as to how on the face of the earth, there was no new covenant, but Jesus from the time he was conceived walked in the new covenant. That's how, because he was the covenant. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, it's lucky. Just let that sink in. <laughs> It's a gut moment, you know. Okay, and here's another interesting thing. We don't get to dictate the terms of the covenant. He does. Rachel said the other week, he's 100% Lord, he's 100% Saviour, he's 100% brother, he's 100% lover, he's 100% friend. He's maxed out on all of it, and yet there's so much more that we haven't even discovered of him. It's incredible. And that's why his covenant is eternal. And I've just got a question here, a couple of questions. Do we realise that we can take responsibility for our end of the covenant? Because covenant is a commitment to something. And it's not one-sided. It's there's a requirement on our end. Yes, we've gotten saved and that's, I guess you could say, an unconditional covenant but we are to walk out our salvation with fear and trembling 
So there's things like favour, um, the blessings that are actually an obedience aspect of where it's kind of conditional. It's like if you want the favour, lay down your life and count the cost. Just die already. <laughs> and then how do we pursue him on our end of the covenant? Like how do I personally pursue him? And then um, I think I mentioned it last time. I'm actually going to read this scripture out because it is my all-time favourite. Hang on a second. It's 1 Corinthians 13. And it's just at the very end. And it's verse 12 to 13. And it says, For now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror. But one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now. But one day I will understand everything, just as everything about me has been fully understood. In the New King James it said, I will know as I am known. And the, the scripture, generally through, oh well, through scripture, the word know is intimate. Usually regarding sex, actually. It's how closely you're known. Until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love, yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. <laughs> to, be, to know as I am known, it's one of the most stunning parts of my life, personally, as most of us, I'm sure, is not just to read him through a book or through somebody else, but just to know him, to know more about him, discover him. He is a mystery and he's an adventure. It's so beautiful. So in this season, it's, you've probably heard it echoing through the prayer sets, through our Sunday mornings, through the teaching, is that we are in the season where Jesus is revealing himself as Lord. And he does it for a reason. And there's an invitation into seeing him in a different way. Um, I think it was probably about, well, I was saying to Rachel the other day, I tend to mark my timeline with what building we're in. <laughs> um, so when we're in the old building, sometime, um, just during worship, it was like, it was for a few weeks in a row, and I'll just start spontaneously singing Adonai, 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 and I'm like going, I know the name, but what does that mean? So I went um, looking, and it actually means Lord. Jehovah is Lord, it means. And the interesting thing was, is kind of like, uh, it happened so many times that I was like, there's something more in this. Can I tell you something? If you hear something more than once, God is trying to get your attention about something. It's an invitation to a revelation. It's an invitation to some growth. It's an invitation into deeper covenant. It's an invitation into deeper communion with each other and with him. Okay? So when I looked at what Lord means, in the, I guess, earthly term, it was someone basically that gets to dictate what someone else does. I'll be honest. They were their servants, their slaves, their 
their whatever. And Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, what do you think I do as a Lord? And I'm like going, okay, I'll just be quiet on that one. <laughs> and, um, and I'd recently seen something uh, and in it had um, someone who had the title of Lord and he'd run away from it but his lands were being plundered by a neighbouring lord. And so he had to go back and deal with it. And in that, it was like Holy Spirit just showed me, a lord has great responsibility. They provide the land, they provide the shelter, they provide safety, they provide refuge, they stand in the gap for them. They are, the lord is the voice of the people. They enable for them, the um, servants, to work the land, to put food on their table. To f- they, they, they raise a whole household under the covering of this Lord. And when there's a challenge on, the Lord does the fighting, not the, not the servants. They, you know, they keep the home fires burning as such. But it's the Lord that does the warfare. He does the negotiation. He does everything. He is Lord. And I feel that um, Lord's people live their lives knowing that their needs will be met. Knowing that they're covered, knowing that they're safe, knowing there'll be food on the table. And not saying it's always easy because sometimes there's wartime, sometimes there's famine. You know, but there is a covering of the Lord. And I just um, also... I've discovered, particularly probably in the last year, that yielding is actually the only answer, especially when you don't know what to do. <laughs> um, on Wednesday, prayer set a couple of weeks ago, um, I didn't feel... If you had asked me five minutes before I went into that prayer set, is Jesus Lord of your life? I'd say, yes, he can have everything. I give him everything. I mean, you guys have seen me. I'm face down... Falling snot it doesn't, you know, I'm there. <laughs> and all of it, I was just leaning over and I was just like this and I was just like yielding yet again. I just, um, just going, I yield, I yield, I yield. And it was like I was diving down my well, I guess you could say. And I hit the bottom and it was like, I, I yield, you are Lord of all, you can have it all, I yield it all. And then all of a sudden it went pop and my bottom all of a sudden of my capacity of my well just went and it went down deeper and I just started going, I yield, I yield. And I think I was even going, getting lower. I'm just like, I yield, I yield, I yield, I yield. And it was like then I hit another bottom. And But the funny thing was is in that, new capacity or whatever well whatever you want to call it there was no actual lights on in there and it was a sudden realization of like oh there's a space of me that's not actually given over to you as lord yet two minutes ago you were lord of everything as far as i could understand say you know and i feel i feel he's actually doing that with all of us at the moment this is not just a personal thing I feel like when something happens to one person, it affects, it moves, it's significant corporately. We're not a, cor- we're not a individual body. 
Mm. And a lo- I think I love about um, in that yielding, it's like where he grows maturity because all of a sudden you're, I don't know, I had a beautiful daughter. I still do have a beautiful daughter. But she, um, I think it was about a week after uh, kindy, she came out. Mum, I don't need to come back because I know everything. <laughs> Little blonde-haired, blue-eyed beauty. I'm like, really? <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> and I think we have a tendency to do that. I know everything. But the beautiful thing about continually yielding is it leaves you in a position of like, I don't know anything really. <laughs> like, um, it's just this continual laying down. Con- you know, our life is, that's what our life is supposed to look like, by the way. And it, um, I think it was that Sherelle said to me a while ago, she said, why do we think uncomfortable's bad? Because it's not. It's actually a good place. If you're in your comfort zone, that's not a good place because <laughs> you're not growing, you're not stretching, you're not learning, you're not um, being cultivated, you're not maturing. You know, we should, be, we should always be moving. Life shouldn't be stagnant. How boring. Sorry if anyone's gotten stagnant. <laughs> we'll, pray, we'll pray for you later. <laughs> and so I love, that's what I love about Song of Solomon's, you know, the whole book is a journey of the maturing bride. She runs in like, yes, runs out going, oh my goodness, runs back in there, yes, I'm here, oh dear. <laughs> and just until she comes up and she goes, I will go with you up to your mountain and I will drink from the cup of suffering. Oh my goodness, when I, I love the Passion Translation, when I read that, and I've read that book quite a few times over my lifetime, when I read that, it was just like my, something deep in my spirit went, yes. Oh dear. <laughs> Just being honest. <laughs> but yeah, he was very kind and gentle. Which I recommend prayer sets because it actually really cultivates something in you at an accelerated speed. Um, it's not just, you know, getting a little feed every now and then. It's just coming in, coming in, coming in, coming in, coming in. And it's, yes, I will drink from your cup of suffering, Lord with every bit of humility, with, and you know what? I don't care if it exposes my pride. I don't care if it exposes my woundedness because it's always for my good. He's always for your good. He's not just a good father. He's a good Lord. He's a good shepherd. You know, you can switch any aspect of him into father because that's who he is. He's good all the time. Mm. Okay, so the other aspect of the communion table or the Lord's table is not just covenant between Jesus and us, but it's covenant with us, between one another, okay? And I'm just going to read you something that I wrote, hmm, I don't know, a little while ago. We get to covenant to each other. We cover one another when we know the person next to us isn't just going to up and leave. It breeds security, a sense of safety. We know that no matter what happens, we are in this together, shoulder to shoulder, ready to lift one another should one fall. It isn't replacing Christ, for we can't do anything apart from him. 
but it is the family that he intended us to be and for us to have. It is not always easy and it takes time. It is worth it though. The covenant carries a freedom that we haven't experienced before. And exposure no longer frightens us as it did before, as it shapes us to become more Christ-like. Did you know that our goal in life is to become more like Jesus? To become more like him. And we are beautiful, fearlessly and wonderfully made. But the nature of Christ in us, it needs to be exposed. It's like all the, like a diamond, you know, it's under pressure and, then it's, and it's generally covered with dirt, mud. And it takes a process of exposing or washing away the garbage, washing away the sand, washing away the silt, the mud for the diamond to be actually exposed. And even then, it's in a raw state. Have you ever seen a raw diamond? It actually just doesn't look like much. It's only when it's cut that it actually, into whatever shape that the designer intends, that it actually then really reflects the light on the different facets of the cut. Mm. There's a revelation just in that. <laughs> So we're going to be after being Christ-like, not after a leader or a denomination, but truly ourselves and him. Diversity and u- unity intertwined. <laughs> so if covenant is a kingdom concept, what does it mean for us in a world where... Because when God gave covenant, his word meant everything. But yet in our context of our world... I can say, let's catch up for dinner, and yet it don't mean a thing. Yet God's word, when he says, let's catch up, he's going to be there waiting. That coffee date with him, he's there waiting for you before you even get there. Because to him, he honours his word, and he takes you at your word even though he knows you're not going to meet him there or you might be late or you might be distracted. He's there. So a covenant is a commitment to relationship. Now, covenant and contract, two totally different things. We've actually had to instigate um, contract because people don't keep their word. And if we're to be a heart-led people, our word has to count. Our word has to mean something. Because I can't go to Beth here and say, hey, let's be friends, but let's have a contract. But yet she knows I'm committed to her. And there's many more in here that I'm committed to, that I have personal one-on-one relationship with, and I'm committed to them just like you guys are committed to others. Yeah, and you guys to me. And I tell you what, it was like I was nervous about doing this morning, but I wasn't afraid in the sense of being alone, if that makes sense. And I haven't actually felt alone for a long time in this place. Even when I'm up there, I don't feel alone. 
there's something, there's just another story in that in itself. <laughs> to God, covenant is actual legal and binding. So it's only on our end that it kind of gets a bit muddy and distorted. So the elements, so covenant actually creates an environment. And I don't know if you've been at Paradox for a while, you'll notice that there's an environment. And for me, um, so I've been here about two years now, I think it is. Is it two years, Tia? Yes. We came actually about, I think, a week apart or two weeks apart or something. It was amazing. And um, so anyway, before I came here, I was involved in, obviously, in worship and intercession. And my family is pretty prophetic intercession my mum and dad um, were all saved roughly around the same time but it was almost like even my my dad and mum stepped into like a generational inheritance that we're not even fully aware of yet but um and I just stepped it was I literally just stepped straight into it as well I was very blessed and so uh, so my dad passed away in 2015, June. And about hmm, three and a half, four years before that, we were, well, five years before that, we were gathering Friday nights at their place and with just whoever wanted to come. And it was literally an informal thing of like, we'll just start with worship and we'll just see what God wants to do. So it was amazing time of worship, intercession, ministering to one another. Sometimes we'd have um, someone just share the word. Um, we had a lot of young people in there and it was amazing. And this one, and it was actually, um, it was gaining momentum and we were part of a local church at the time and they knew what we were doing and all that stuff. But you could just really feel in, this, in the spiritual realm it was stirring up a hornet's nest because um, these kids were taking it into their school and they started to actually see some revival in their school. That was at Foundation Christian College. And so you'd started to see some revival. Like these kids were having prayer meetings and Holy Spirit was just invading during their lunch times. It was amazing. And their ability to see into the spiritual realm was like, wow, absolutely mind-blowing. But... Through that, my dad had a dream one night and he dreamt, because they had six acres, he was standing at the front of their house looking out and there was someone standing like in the very front paddock and they had put a stake in the ground and on it was um, like a bull's head skull. And as soon as he said it, I just, something in my spirit said, oh, that is so off. That is a curse. It's demonic. And I said to him about it. And I said, Dad, you need to follow up about it. There's something in this. Anyway, it wasn't long after that that he got sick. And it became mesophilioma. And after a three-year journey, battle, he passed away with it. And so all in the midst of that... I was also involved in worship and intercession. So that was a massive blow. And like on an intercession level, worship level, all that stuff, it was burst, my heart just copped a really big blow. And then there was other things that happened after that. 
um, particularly the area of intercession and prayer, that we didn't have, um, I wasn't covered. And I, my, my family copped some massive blows. So by the time I got to Paradox, the enemy had me pretty intimidated. And I was terrified of challenging that because I, didn't, I hadn't known covering and covenant like this. And, um, and it was like each time I'd come to Paradox and I would, like, the whole re- one of the whole reasons I ended up even at Paradox is I went to Bethel and walked into the place and I went, this anointing is unusual. I'd never experienced it before and I've experienced different, lots of different moves of Holy Spirit and anointings and, and that stuff. And then I went to um, the people I was staying with who were actually part of the prayer ministry team at Bethel. I walked into their house and I'm like, because you know like when you sense something different, you're going like, good, bad, you know, like, what is this? You're filtering, you're like, Jesus, protect me <laughs> if there's anything of you. It's just I hadn't experienced it before. But anyway, when I went into this couple's home, I'm like, oh, it's here. As soon as I walked in their door, it was, it was there. And I'm like sifting it. So that night laying in bed going, what is it? And then after a week, I was standing in worship one time at, at the School of Music, there, um, Worship You. And Holy Spirit just said so clearly to me, this is what a community anointing feels like. It feels different. And I'd never felt anything like that before. And as soon as I crossed in, over the threshold of paradox, I came to the Heart Revolution Conference when um, the Masons were here. Um, beautiful Lisa invited me. It was awesome. My first encounter. But as soon as I crossed that threshold, it was like, oh, that's that anointing. And I knew that was where I was going to be, that I was coming here. But it was a journey then to come to break down those experiences and the walls that those experiences had built. And I remember when we had the Hope WA thing. I think I remember I said to quite a few people, like intercessors, I think it's Rachel, I don't know if I said something to Amy. I'm like, I am terrified. We're going to, I feel like we're going to be just going in gung ho, guns blazing, and like, yeah, what are you going to do about it, Satan? Kind of thing. And I'd had the backlash of what he's going to do about it. And so I was scared. And so um, I remember Lynn, you praying with me through that. <laughs> anyway, and I thought, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to step out in faith. And I came and um, loved every minute of it and had an amazing encounter, the drunken song. <laughs> yeah. The drinking song we've now renamed it um and it's like since then but it was like every week i'd come after that and it was just like he's going to me i'm tucking you in i'm tucking you in i'm tucking you in and it like each week i could see like people that were out here like gathering closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to me and it was the covering of covenant now, what I find really interesting is that we are now, he's going, the fear of the Lord, I am Lord. Do you want to know why covenant's so important and to be tucked in is so important? It's because when he comes as Lord, he's actually going to protect us from something because we're going into something new. 
He becomes greater because we're going to hit something. Does that make sense? I hope I'm articulating that well. And so you might feel like we're going on and on and on about him being Lord, but it's actually significant because if we're not tucked in, we're not in covenant one another, it could be dangerous. It really could be. Hmm. Ooh, yeah. All right, on a lighter note. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, we're going to touch base on Psalm... 133. Okay. The Lord put this scripture on my heart about a week and a half ago, and I hadn't really read it for a little while. It says, How truly wonderful and delightful to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. It's as precious as the sacred scented oil flowing from the head of the high priest Aaron, dripping down upon his beard and running all the way down to the hem of his priestly robes. This heavenly harmony can be compared to the dew dripping down from the skies upon Mount Hermon, refreshing the mountain slopes of Israel. For from this realm of sweet harmony, God will release his eternal blessing, the promise of life forever. Ha <laughs> ha. And then, hmm. hang on. Sorry, back to Matthew twenty six again. Twenty-six, verse six. Then Jesus went to Bethany to the home of Simon, which means listen. I looked that. Yes, I love it when you actually research stuff. Can you go? Oh my goodness, he's there. Oh my goodness, he's there. <laughs> he's just everywhere. A man Jesus had healed of leprosy. A woman came into the house holding an alabaster flask filled with fragrant and expensive oil. She walked right up to Jesus and in a loving, uh, sorry, a lavish gesture of devotion, she poured out the costly oil and it cascaded over his head as he was at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were offended. What a total waste, they grumbled. We could have sold it for a great deal of money and given it to the poor. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, why are you critical of this woman? She has done a beautiful act of kindness for me. You will always have someone poor whom you can help, but you will not always have me. When she poured out the fragrant oil over me, she was preparing my body for burial. I promise you that as this wonderful gospel spreads all over the world, the story of her lavish devotion to me will, always be men- will also be mentioned in memory of her. What I find interesting about this is that the first one is um, the beauty of unity. It brings an anointing. It brings um, a blessing. It's refreshing. And it's interesting to note that it's like it was like scented oil that was poured down over the head, and yet Mary of Bethany poured the oil over Jesus' head, and it was for burial. There's a cost of unity that means dying. Does that make sense, the link there? So in the... Um, 
So she was preparing his body for burial when she poured the oil over his head. When we come together, because we're in covenant with one another, there's a bit of rubbing and friction that happens. And in that is a lot of the, sometimes is like laying down our own stuff and sharing with one another, being open to one another, vulnerable to one another. Does that make sense? Yeah? So I've got here, covenant requires dying to self for Christ and each other. Hmm. So now to communion. Um, I mentioned the other week, I said, uh, one of the things I got out of it, it says they observed the Lord's table. That was, in, that was one of the footnotes in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 46. And I was questioning, what does um, the Lord's, observing the Lord's table mean? And one of the things was when you look at Luke 22, so after they've gone from this amazing, beautiful feast to communion to, oh my goodness, someone's going to portray Jesus. Who would that be? Wow, who would do that? To, I'm better than you. <laughs> that became the argument of the disciples, who is greatest amongst them. And so um, one of the things I really thought about is, or what that I felt like God was showing me, is that we're invited to a table with Jesus and with one another. And the cost of exposing me to Jesus, like I could deal with that. But exposing myself, like realizing that I'm not the only, me and Jesus aren't the only ones just sitting at the table, but it's everybody else as well. And so at that place, when we're sitting at the table, it's like the pride can be exposed, the, um, all the junk can just be exposed. Basically, we'll just put it all out there. All the junk can be exposed. And I felt Holy Spirit challenge of like, will we get up and walk away from the table in shame and hide? Or will we just go, I'm sitting at the table and it may get uncomfortable, it may get hot, it may get fiery, but I'm committed. I'm in covenant with Jesus and with my people, my tribe. And, and I, the challenge was, is don't let shame rob us of covenant. Don't run and hide. I know when I'm... Um, especially coming into paradox, is that um, I would make deliberate, conscious decisions and choose to engage. Choose to ring Kylie. <laughs> choose to ring whomever and go, this is what's going on right now. This is how I feel. This is my ugh coming out. And it's a conscious choice because, I'll be honest, um, Lots of churches don't want to deal with it. Um, and it's a place where we should be dealing with it. And that's not a condemnation on other churches and stuff, but um, it's supposed to be a place where you get your stuff sorted, where we deal with it, where we get healed from it, where we get freedom in it, where we, where we can um, just be brothers and sisters together. And that actually, um, I remember it was Dr. James Dobson something years ago, crisis forms family bonds was one of the things he would teach. Um, an epic failure of a camping trip would actually create a memory and draw your family together. And I don't feel that's any different for any of us. <laughs> when we ride with each other through the storms, we're actually going to draw closer to one another and our bonds will get stronger 
you know, and we will know each other. And it's so good now for me, two years on, or 18 months, two years on, to be able to go in, come and stand up here and going, I don't feel judged. I don't feel separate. I don't feel isolated. I feel part of covenant with you guys. You know, I feel totally safe. My voice is not shaking. It's not breaking. <laughs> I'm actually able to think clearly because I feel safe. I feel secure. So, yeah. Um, another thing that I felt about the Lord's table is that when we come to the Lord's table, um, Rachel, um, she reshared again um, in our pre-service prayer, is that through the prayer sets, there's been a lot of, um, just stand up for a second, yeah, of handshaking and gripping, and it's agreements that we've made with anxiety, fear, depression, same old story, our history, yeah, pain, panic, chaos, chaos yeah, all that stuff. And I felt that when we come to the Lord's table, because we're actually refreshing and renewing our covenant when we come to the Lord's table, that it's like a leaving that handshake to come into a handshake with Jesus. And so every time we come, we're, yes, I break that handshake of fear. I'm shaking with you with peace. I'm breaking that fear of a broken cycle in my life and I'm coming through glory to glory. And so I kind of like, um, and that, to me that's the power of agreement the, the handshake is an agreement. Covenant is an agreement. So what have we made covenant with that isn't his covenant? Okay? Just little things to think of. Um, hmm. I really felt this morning that in our worship, there, like Amy said, there was a lot of um, progress we made and it was a breaking of agreements and I didn't feel like it was happening just personally but regionally I felt things were shifting I could really feel it um so yeah it's never underestimate the power of your agreement because your agreement brings you into alignment with something and pardon yeah, you're always agreeing to something. You're either agreeing to Jesus or something else. Your yes be yes and your no be no. Hmm. So yeah, so what we're going to do now is we're going to take communion together. Let's clear my stuff. Do you want to bring it up? Yeah. Oh. And what we're going to do is we'll get um, get you to come take communion, and then we're going to take it all together as one corporate body. I've just been kind of querying the Lord on how He wants to do this. All right. Um, 
so I felt that there's power in that agreement. And so when we take communion this morning, being mindful of and asking Holy Spirit, what am I in agreement with? What am I in covenant in covenant with that's not you, Jesus? Okay. And then something comes up, we're going to repent of it. And we're going to, actually they did this in a prayer set, we're going to turn towards Jesus and we're going to come into agreement with him. Okay, so do you guys want to come up, grab some communion and then just, um, we'll wait till everyone's got communion and then we'll take it all together, okay? We repent of the agreements and the covenants we've made with other things, with panic, with the past, even with our own story, genetics. Where we've made agreement with fear, anxiety, shame, guilt, condemnation. We repent of them, Jesus. We repent to listening to their voices and not yours. And Jesus, even as we repent, we release our hand from that grip. We remove our hand from the grip of those covenants. And Jesus, we consciously, we choose to turn towards you and just even reposition your body. Yeah. We choose to face you, Jesus. And we thank you for the truth of your light of truth. We thank you for the truth. We thank you, Jesus, for the truth. We thank you for truth. And we choose to extend our hand to come into agreement with you. We come into covenant with you, Jesus. And Jesus, just daily we choose to come into covenant and agreement with you. And we thank you for your body that was broken for us, that was cut for us. And we thank you for your blood that poured out for us. That wiped out the curse of sin once and for all, for all mankind, for all time.
so that no other offering or sacrifice would need to be made. And even as we eat of your body and drink of your wine, we, it's a step of faith to come into agreement with you, Jesus. It's like that prophetic activation of faith to come into covenant with you. Just thank you. And I just thank you that you are extending our understanding of who you are, your very nature as Lord. And so as part of that covenant, Jesus, how we can activate it on our end of things, take responsibility on our end of things, we choose to yield to the revelation, choose to yield in obedience before we've even got it. Before we even have understood it, we yield to your lordship. Yeah, we say yes. 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 Just start to say yes to him. Yes. Yes, Jesus. Yes. Yes. We thank you for all you are and all you are doing. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Nicole. seconds I just want to confirm even that spirit of community when we had that vision vision in the in the prayer room on the Wednesday and we just took our hands out of agreement with things and we put our hands in the hand of Jesus it's the same vision where Amy said she she was did, did you speak on it you did a oh anyway it was I saw myself clinging to a very huge chain and I was standing on an anchor and I thought oh gosh great that means we're going to go back down into the waters but I've got Jesus because I've shook hands with him you know that feeling of oh dear but this is my yes and it started to plummet and he said no 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 when we are yes to him we don't go down we go up and we, I landed in the heavenly places and it was Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, but then it was a crowd of people around me. Now, for you who don't like crowds, it wasn't like, oh, it, I felt so, as an introvert, I felt very comfortable. And yet all the crowd was around uh, cheering and present. And it was this new understanding that covenant with him means community up there, not just here. There's a community of covering. There is the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus very present. But there were angels on assignment, and they were cheering on, and it was like wisdom from the people before us. It was just access to actually what we are part of. So to understand that we're saying yes to a community here is a yes to a community in the kingdom. That's what the Lordship is. You're not alone with Jesus doing your life. You are with and you are with. Yeah?
There's so much in the lordship journey that we can come into the lie that, oh, I've just at least I've got Jesus. And that's not lordship, that's fear, and I'll keep Jesus as my friend. Lordship with him is, I've got Jesus, and I've got this, and I've got that. Do you understand the difference? There's a lot more in the spirit of community that we get to explore when we come into agreement with truly him as Lord, and no other thing takes that place in our mind and in our understanding of him. All right? So bless you this morning. Go out celebrating what he's done because your gift is oneness with him and with each other because of the blood. Bless you. Don't forget your kids. See you for a coffee because that's like the next part after communion.